0: everyone, this is John Gunter, and you're listening to the Eagle Community Church of Christ Teaching Podcast. This week we're in week six of our study of hermeneutics, which is how to study the Bible. It's the method by which we look at Scripture. This week we talk about kind of, uh, well, last week we, we kind of narrowed in on what to look for in sentences, and now we kind of broaden that up to paragraphs. And a lot of this is very, very simple. It's stuff you already do in English anyway. Uh, or studying anything else. But it's just as we study Scripture, these are the things to look for and uh, things that should jump out. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy this. Again, I want to encourage you to go listen to all of our uh, series on this. And if we can help in any way, hey, come see us anytime. We'll see you soon. It won't won't work. (laughs) And I am recording now, so that's, uh, that's good. Uh, last week we talked about, uh, you, the, way this, the way this is gone, I didn't point it out last week, but the way this has gone is what we learned first was kind of how we come to Scripture, the questions to ask, big questions, uh, what to kind of understand as you come to Scripture that, hey, we are separated by this time and situation a language in all these years, you know. Uh, and, and so in the last week or so, what we've been doing is kind of digging down even further, right? So last week we talked about sentences. Uh, this week we talked about paragraphs. Last week was, you want to notice all of these things as you uh, go through Scripture. And uh, I do have a handout for tonight. Can I get a volunteer or two to hand these out? Ethan got put on the spot. There Tammy you go. Me. Oh, and, you and Tammy story, knows yes. you. That'll, that'll work. Thank you, guys. Uh, and I do, somebody asked about if I had stuff from other uh, classes, and I do have some left from each class, so if you need one of those, uh, you can get one of those as well. Uh, so last week we talked about, as you come to Scripture, there are some things you want to kind of notice. Uh, they should jump out, and you, you should ask some more questions. So repetition of words. Again, this is something, if if someone wrote a love letter to you, and uh, they said, I love you a bunch, that that means something, right? Um, If they said something more negative, that would stand out, right? Uh, So you want to think about it, 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 this is just really a reminder in in how we read anyway. Uh, You also want to look at contrast, okay? Uh, This is good, this is bad. Comparisons, these are similar, uh, we noticed lists, and we talked about those. Paul uh, loves to do those as well. Uh, again, naming all these things, and like I told you last week, my favorite thing is he includes all of these sins, and, and sometimes you get to the end and you think, yeah, he didn't cover mine, and then he says "And things like these. And you think, thanks a lot, Paul. Uh, also cause and effect, this causes this effect. Uh, figures of speech, we're not always talking literally, are we? Uh, last week we used the example of Thy word is a lamp to my feet, right? But we don't. We're not going to go outside here in a little while and think I'm a faithful Christian. God light this path up, right? Uh, that's uh, that's a figure of speech, meaning God's word is going to help me along my life, right? Not a literal path, not literal feet, uh, and things like that. Conjunctions, because a lot of times that is uh, uh, that. Uh, points to something else. We talked specifically about therefore. Again, the question you should always ask. When you see a therefore, you ask what? What's it there for? Yes, it's pointing something out. Uh, also, verbs. Uh, again, where all the action is is what they said. And also pronouns. So you're wanting to identify who's speaking. Who's this to? Who's it about? Who's, who's speaking? Okay. Uh, so all of those we want to, uh, to notice uh, when we come to them. And I wanted to have a, a couple of uh, slides here again to just reiterate what we're doing. They say the first step in tackling a biblical text is to make as many detailed observations as possible. So again, that's kind of flying in the face of sometimes we want to come to Scripture and read it as quickly as we can and say, "Hey, I'm a daily Bible reader." Now we want to get into the weeds of it and understand what is all what all is there. We want to dig deep and to see as much as possible. The above list is far from exhaustive and is presented to help you get started. And again, uh, what we saw, as you get into a text, observe as many details as possible. Spend time in the passage. And what I would suggest is if there's a a section heading, read the whole section. Instead of going through and reading uh, one verse and leaving, or reading very quickly and leaving. Spend time in the passage. They say each sentence in the Bible has dozens and dozens of details just waiting for you to observe. Look carefully at the text, read it over and over, observe, write down your observations. Read it again, look some more, write some more, y'all getting this? Which observations have you missed? There are more yet to find. Don't quit, keep digging. And that's what makes Bible study fun for me. Okay, we, as this, this class has gone uh, going on we, we've mentioned some things, hey why does it say this, right? That's the kind of questions and curiosity that we need to bring to Scripture to say, what is it here that I need to find? What is it God is telling me about himself or what he wants me to do uh, so I can understand it better? So keep digging. Keep that, uh, keep that uh, uh, with you at all times. Keep digging. I have that attitude. I want to find what's there. And again, this is kind of a, a warning. If you move straight from your initial reading of the passage to the application of that passage you remain tied to your previous understanding of that text. You will rarely see anything new and exciting in the text, and the Bible will become boring for you. Likewise, it is unlikely that you will hear anything new from God, and your relationship with Him is likely to be stagnant. So this is, this is the contrast to coming and, and trying to see what all is in the book. God revealed to me what's here. I want to notice all the details. Uh, if you're coming with all the answers already, you, there's no need for that, is there? There's no need for the attitude of what's here because I already know, right? So I'm kind of coming, if I'm coming with this uh, understanding that I already have all the answers, I'm not open to really seeing what's actually there, all the details that God has provided. And so that's, that's kind of their warning uh, for this. So tonight we talk about, uh, last week was, again, sentences. Now we're broadening out uh, as you look at different paragraphs. And what we start with is what's, what's on your uh, uh, did I miss that? I missed one, didn't I? No. no, I didn't. Okay, it's there. They just didn't put it in the same order. Okay. All right, general and specific. Sometimes an author will introduce an idea with a general statement. That is an overview or summary of the main idea. The author will then follow this general statement with the specific, uh, specifics of the idea. Again, the, the example there, hey, let's have dessert. Well, what does that mean? That's very general, right? let's go have some apple pie. Who's up for that? Amen? Yeah. Um, let's do that. So you're looking for the general and specific. Here's an example, Galatians five sixteen. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's very general, right? Walk by the Spirit. Well, then we ask, well, what does that mean? Okay? And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, what does it mean? to gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, very general. But if you keep reading there, uh, well, they just kind of mentioned what I said. In 19 and 20, look at this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and again, my favorite, and the like, right? Okay, I'm going to cover it all as much as I can. And then in 22 and 23, you get the spirit part of that, right? We've got the flesh. Now, the specifics of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, Jordan came up to me, I guess Wednesday, and said, I know, I know the answer to the forbearance question. Like, why is it forbearance, not patience? Do you want to talk about that right now? Sure. Uh, or is it too on the spot? Okay. And we brought up the question last week you know, as we're noticing details, you know, here in 2022, how many of you use the word forbearance commonly, right? And so when you come to a question like this, so this is, we know this is 2011 NIV, and so what you should say is, why'd they use that word? Because that seems a little, you know, a little out of character. Jordan? So uh, forbearance and patience, like, right, we would think of them as the same thing. I can't remember off the top of my head, it's two different words in the Greek, but the reason it uses forbearance is because the fruit of the spirit that I want you to focus on, forbearance is um, patience through a difficult situation as opposed to patience waiting for something to come to you. So if I'm patiently just waiting for my food to be ready at the restaurant, I'm not suffering through a, like a difficult time, but if I'm having to be patient while I'm having family turmoil, I'm forbearing through that. And so the fruit of the spirit is not just waiting for good things to come to me, right? It's patiently waiting through a difficult time. And so that's why it's forbearance, Mm. not patience. Well, and what I hope you heard from that is when the waitress doesn't bring your food, you are not in forbearance, okay? Don't get upset, just show some patience. Thank you, Jordan, for that. So yeah, what we got was the specifics of the general idea right here, right? So we're we're noticing uh, those things. And then he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify uh, again uh, the desires of the flesh. And so we got all of that. Uh, So the second thing here is questions and answers. Occasionally an author will raise a rhetorical question and then answer that question. Paul does that a lot. Um, The example here is Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Remember the context of this. People thought, hey, you know what I'll do? I'll help out God. And show how gracious He is because I'm going to live however I want to. And because He's gracious to me, that will show how awesome God is. And Paul says, "Uh, hold up just a minute. Uh, He says, by no means, uh, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So Paul asks the question, a rhetorical question, that he's going to go ahead and answer. So we notice those. Uh, More examples are found in Mark 7 uh, or Mark 2 uh, seven through 224. Uh, open up to that real quick. And I want you there are three questions there, I believe. Mark 2 seven uh, through 224. And I want you to somebody raise their hand and you find the first question there. I believe it is in Mark uh, 27 is the first question. Are you singing up there? I'm singing? Okay. Anybody find that first question? Why does the fellow talk like that? Why does the talk like that? Okay, what's the answer? He's, fl- he's blaspheming, okay. A question and an answer is what they think anyway, right? Okay, next question in that section there. Do you find another one? Okay? You find uh, an answer to that? I think next verse or two verses? Why are you thinking and why are you thinking those things? What verse is that, Ricky? Uh, part of eight. 2 8. Yes, sir. Okay, 2 8. Okay. Okay, any more in there? Which one did you have, Jordan? What, what verse was that? Oh, it was verse 7. Verse 7, okay. Okay, was, Sounds sounds right, okay. So you see, when you ask the question, you're, you're finding, trying to find the answer, right? Is the answer in there? Do we, do we find what the deal is, okay? Um, we also want to notice dialogue. Uh, this is something I think is important for us to notice. Uh, it says dialogue, of course, overlaps with question and answer, uh, as noted above, the four questions in Mark, and they mentioned four in 2.15 through six or whatever, are part of an ongoing dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees. Dialogue may not seem at first glance to be too obvious to worry about. Clearly, in narrative material, dialogue is employed frequently and is easy to spot. But do not simply read past the point of the dialogue. Now, for us, a lot of times, uh, because of, at least in my, the way I was brought up, we proof-texted everything. So everything was a couple of verses And then we move to the next reference, which was a couple of verses. And and so my idea of the Bible was that we had all of these uh, kind of, you would turn over and there's a rules of worship or something, you know. And then when you actually start studying the Bible, you realize most of it is written in narrative. It's telling the story of Jesus, not a big list of, uh, uh, you know, legal do this and not do that, right? And so we need to notice when we're having uh, dialogue. They say, note the fact that a dialogue is taking place. Then ask questions of the dialogue. Who are the participants? Who's speaking to whom? What is the setting? Are other people around? Are they listening? Are they participating in the dialogue? Is the dialogue an argument? A discussion? A lecture? Friendly chit-chat? What is the the point of the dialogue? Uh, And they say you may find it helpful to color code the dialogue, assign one specific color to each participant, and then color the conversation accordingly. Who does color coding? I want to know whose brain works how. I don't color code. I do highlight in different, you know, highlighters, but they mean absolutely nothing to me most of the time. It's you, it, especially if they're close together, it's, it's, you know, green, then blue, then yellow, if they're all together. That's right. Yeah, don't, don't mess it up. Okay, so they, you know, they, they offer this. You know, that's, that's something, uh, you know, if, you're, if your mind works that way, you love this kind of thing. My Bible software does it, and it also uh, it can put little symbols on stuff. So if you find any Holy Spirit reference, you can put a little symbol on there or God or whatever, you know. And so that's helpful for some people. All right. Purpose and result statements. Always identify purpose and result statements. These are phrases or sentences that describe the reason, the result, or the consequence of some action. Hopefully my boys are listening right now because sometimes I get, what does consequence mean? And then they find out the consequence. Um, They're frequently introduced by result-oriented conjunctions such as that, in order that, and so that. But they can also be introduced with the simple uh, infinitive. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That is the reason, right? Uh, Purpose and result. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that... You might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, okay? A purpose and a result statement. Also, we're going to talk about means. When an action, a result, or a purpose is stated, look for the means that brings about the action, result, or purpose. How is the action or result brought into reality? How is the purpose accomplished? And this is Romans eight thirteen. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The means by which the misdeeds of the body are put to death is the spirit, right? Okay, so by the spirit. Likewise, ponder, they say, Psalm 119, 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? And then it goes on to say, by living according to your word. Okay, so we're, we're getting the, all right, this is how you do this, all right? And also conditional clauses, Identify all conditional clauses. These are clauses that present the conditions whereby some action, consequence, reality, or result will happen. The conditional aspect will usually be introduced by the conditional conjunction, if, okay? If this, then this, right? Whenever you encounter a conditional clause, always determine exactly what the required conditional action is, the if part, and what the result or consequence is, the then part. That's what my boys need to understand right now, right? If I do blank, then I get blank, or I don't get iPad, right? Logan and I had a conversation this morning, and he he was uh, we were talking about a consequence, and he said, well, I, what do you mean? I've already done that today, and he wasn't supposed to. And so we got to talk about the consequence of that, and so... Uh, Today he didn't ask me what consequence was. I think the the context filled itself in there. Identify the conditional clause and the result or consequence in each of the following. All right, so we're we're looking at the if-then clause here. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. All right, if what? If we claim to have fellowship with him, and what? Walk in the darkness, then what do we do? We're not living out the truth. We are lying if, if uh, that's what we see here. Condition, if we claim to have fellowship, we walk in darkness. Result, we are lying and we do not live out the truth. Uh, the action uh, slash roles of people and the action slash roles of God. Are very important to notice as well. Biblical passages often refer to actions of people as well as those of God. Identify these and mark them as separate. Ask the question, what does God, further identify as Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, do in this passage? What do people do in this passage? Then ask whether there is any kind of connection between what God does and what people do, okay? For example, Ephesians 5, 1-2, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what does God do in this passage? gave himself up for us. Yeah. Okay. Loved us. Okay. What are we doing in this passage? What should we be doing in this passage? Follow him. Follow him? Yep. Walk in the way of love. <laughs> I thought for a second Anita was gone without him. Oh, see, I thought Anita said, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> Oh, you're OK. You're OK. That's fine. We'll have it. We'll have it on the podcast. No problem. In addition, be sure to observe when references to God are made in relational terms. OK, so father, husband, king. For example, in Matthew 5, 43 through six thirty four. it says there are 14 references to God as father. OK, so you ought to say, all right, what is what is God trying to tell me here? Well, God is trying to show himself relationally as a good father, right, uh, in all of these verses. So we, we pick those things uh, out. And we kind of talked about this a little bit uh, last week. Terry brought this up when, when reading a particular passage. Uh, the emotional terms of a passage. It says, the Bible is not a book of abstract technical information. It is a book about relationships. We need to say that again so we catch it. <laughs> One more time, the Bible is not a book of abstract technical information, though some of us would love for it to be that. It is a book about relationships, primarily relationships between God and people. Emotions play a big role in relationships. This is frequently overlooked in biblical interpretation. So we, we need to read as such. You need to kind of, as you spend time in the text, kind of take that on when you see those relationship uh, terms. So as part of your careful reading, when you observe the text, be sure to underscore words and phrases that have emotional overtones. That is, words that convey feeling and emotion. Also be sure to note words such as father, mother, child, daughter, son, and the like. These usually have underlying emotional connotations as well. And so for me, you know, you're kind of trying to put yourself in their shoes while reading. So if I'm reading about a mother who's lost her son, that means something, right? More than just, I'm reading words off a page. And so I think that's, uh, that's very uh, helpful. Regulations 4, 12 through 16, and note the emotional connotations of the italicized phrases and words. And I have that on the screen. Anyone want to, or anyone have the ability to read out loud and read with emphasis? Anyone want to do that? Rebecca, go ahead. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I just feel like you could do that. <laughs> Emotional, yeah, no, that was not the comment, no. Just think, uh, the ability was the comment, yeah. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus Himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Thank you, and very good job. I credit myself for knowing that you could do that. Now, now but you you hear the emotion, right? This is a real story. This this happened. Paul is pleading to these people who who he has known here, and, and so there's no reason for us to come along and, and read it as if we're speedery. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong, as you know. Think of it as Paul sitting here pleading with these people. Notice how it says plead and not ask. Right? That's a little more. I don't know. That's a little more emotional, right? I plead with you. Let me, let me. Come on. You, you did me no wrong. You know, it's because of an illness. And, and go on. And that's that, those things should jump out to you. And we should read that with some feeling. Again, as we talked about uh, last week. And also, this is kind of a very related tone as well. Try to identify the tone of the passage. This will often be closely related to the identif- identification of emotional terms. However, once you have noted any emotional terms, continue on to determine the overall tone of the passage. Is it one of anger, a scolding tone, a sorrowful tone, or a tone of unimpassioned explanation? Again, the, just explaining this, you know, no uh, big emotion here. So uh, we're going to uh, look at two different tones. You're going to tell me the tone. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will, then you also will appear with Him in glory. What kind of tone was that? Was that one of anger? Encouraging. Yeah, encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, since then, you have been raised, you know, it's calling you to something. All right, now I'm going to encourage you to do the right thing here. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, all right? Galatians 3, 1 through 4. You foolish Galatians. You think he said it like that? You think Paul was was, uh, saying it like that when he wrote that down? He was probably gritting his teeth, wasn't he? You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? You, know, you catch the tone, right? Again, if we're not taking time there, you just kind of go on. You need to get the feeling of it. Why Paul is saying, you, you foolish Galatians bewitch has you before you, very, you... No. I'll try to get it as, as Paul wrote it there, okay? Okay. Um, This again, and you can't see it again, can you? I thought maybe it would show up this time. I I wanted to put in there just a, uh, again, uh, last week as we talked about sentences, they have another uh, uh, one for paragraphs as well. And so if you really wanted to buckle down and do all of the things we talked about, uh, what they encourage you to do is print these things out. If you want to deal with a certain section of Scripture, I I want to do the Sermon on the Mount. And so print out Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Maybe, uh, you know, blow it up. You have a lot of spaces there. I don't write in a Bible. Uh, I don't have enough room. Uh, part of it's my personality as well. Like I'm not a bumper sticker or uh, tattoo person because I don't like anything enough to have it there for a long time. Uh, so that's just my personality. Uh, and then in, in my Bible, I'm like, oh, why did I write that? Now, now I, I caught this part of that. Now I want to scratch this out. Uh, but I, I think like this, you have enough room to kind of make your notes. And so if you're studying to teach a class, do this. You know, take, the, I want to teach the kids about, you know, whatever. Well, print that scripture out, blow it up, give yourself some room, uh, and, and then do the things we've been talking about. And I'm telling you, once you get done with all this, you, do, you won't have to have these notes. You'll do this automatically. I don't, I don't use these notes. This is just how I read scripture now. I'm trying to catch all the details. I'm trying to understand uh, what's important, who's talking, all of these things we've been talking about. Uh, And so again, uh, this will all just kind of give you a freedom uh, to go in and to understand I can do this. And to me, that's when it it becomes a whole lot of fun. And so um, that is it for this week, as far as the lesson goes. Um, I have kept you over almost every time. And so we have... We have a few more minutes. Uh, do you have questions? Do you have comments? Uh, do you want to... Go ahead, Heath. Oh, sorry. Uh, just that diagram you showed of or trying to break down a passage as yes, Romans. Uh, I have a hard time understanding what Paul was saying because he, in English class in school I would have gotten half on my paper run on sentences if I wrote the way Paul did. Yeah. And on and on. So I, I've done that before with some of his stuff, trying to figure it out. Just write it out, one thought at a time. He may have twelve thoughts wrapped up in one sentence, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it it does help to write it out sometimes to try to dissect what is he really saying. Yeah, he's he's a smart man. Exactly, and and sometimes with, um, you know, depending on what you're talking about, sometimes you really have to have a, a good grasp of the big picture or the something behind the scenes that's informing what he's talking about uh, and, and sometimes we we walk so closely that we don't see and so it's it's one of those things where you've got to try to uh, as you study and you you know you learn more about God's Word you, you hope that that informs as you read oh yeah I remember you know kind of this conversation over here um, But sometimes you know to me uh, that's what commentators do really well uh, because uh, you know a lot of good When uh, people write a good commentary, a lot of times they have spent years in that book. And so they they have gone, they have walked over every, uh, as uh, Jordan talked last week about how you uh, translate the Greek, you've got so many notes about, you know, what are we doing here? You know, how is this uh, conjugated, you know, and and so when they get done, they have this humongous work that can really help inform you uh, and save you some time in that too, so uh, that's where I like if I've, I've done my work and um, what they teach you is never to start with a commentary. You want to do your work first and then go to the commentary and see, okay, uh, do I feel like I'm close here? Is there something they can shed light on? Um, but to me, that is helpful, uh, especially for somebody like Paul. And Peter thought so, too. So, you know, we're in good company there. You know. We're in good company. Okay. I like the story in the book where the professor gives the guy a fish to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I so feel like that's where we're at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they like, the, there's a big story at the beginning of this chapter about a fish. Uh, another one they, I just mentioned at the beginning is they, they kind of want you to think about it as, a you know, if you were reading a love note, how would you go over that and read it? You know, somebody special has written it to you, and so you want to kind of catch every little thing and, uh, you know, kind of uh, see what's important there. So, yeah, absolutely. I didn't think we would have time to get to that, or I would have mentioned it more. So Connie, is, uh, she's ahead of the curve here. Read letters written during the Civil War, the letters? mm They're so eloquent, so long, and now we're down to not even spelling words. It's going to be a sad thing to look back on our letters that we don't write anymore. But well, the Civil War letters are... Yeah, I get, I get that. Well, and that's kind of like we've talked about at the beginning where, you know, language changes, how we use language changes. Uh, I was sitting in a class at Harding and somebody said, they were kind of having this conversation. And one of the professors said, well, you'd never text your wife or girlfriend, happy anniversary. And even me, you know, and I'm 30 I'm something at that point. I, I was like, uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> and all the kids were like, yeah, why wouldn't you? Uh, and so, you, you know, uh, we may look back on that, and that may be your preference, but we understand that, you know, if somebody grows up really not doing that, it's not their preference, so they, they won't look back on it like that. And so we just kind of understand it. Um, you know, there are things in the world all the time that I, that I miss about, you know, different times, uh, but you also understand that, you know, just times they are changing isn't that the, the, what we say? If y'all want to... Uh, console Katie uh, after that confession. That's fine too. Okay, any more questions? Easy enough. You've got the, uh, the notes. Uh, this is the only thing I have not put on the, um, the Google Drive yet. So again, if you're new to the class, remember all of this, including all the slides are on the Google Drive. You can get on our uh, Facebook Uh, Page and see that just click on that link and that'll give you access to all of that. I'll do that later this evening Um, If you don't have any other questions, I'm gonna stop this recording good